calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Pandemic, book three of the Infected Trilogy. Written by number one New York Times bestselling novelist, Scott Sigler. Performed by Phil Giganti. Pandemic is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash pandemic. Book Four, Road Trip. Chapter One, Meet the Public. Ten tons of trucks smashed into the firehouse door, denting the metal outward and knocking the gutted bus a good five feet back. Paulius was standing outside the firehouse, rifle snug against his shoulder, waiting for the inevitable reaction from the locals. The big diesel engine gurgled as Bosch reversed, then revved when he floored it, the rolling door ripped outward as the truck again smashed into the bus, knocking it back at an angle. One more shot would create enough room for engine 98 to pull out onto the street. Bosch reversed. The dented roll-up door slid off the truck, clattered limply on the concrete drive. Paulius spotted two people rushing in from the west, a man and a woman, and another man coming from the east. From all up and down the street, people scurried out of buildings like angry ants defending a hive. The people from the west were fifty yards away, shooting hunting rifles as they ran. Paulius sighted in, breathed out and squeezed the trigger. The woman's head snapped back as her body fell forward, dead before she hit the ground. The man saw this, slowed. Paulius squeezed off another shot. The man spun right, left hand clutching at his shoulder. The big diesel roared again. Engine 98 drove over the fallen roll-up door and smashed past the bus. Paulius spun to the right, aimed and fired. The man coming from the east doubled over, fell face first onto the snowy sidewalk. Paulius sprinted for the fire truck, which was already turning left onto Chicago Avenue. He hopped up on the rear bumper, then scrambled into the hose-lined bed. He stayed low, picking targets as he went. So many of them, coming so fast. He didn't need to give Bosch instructions. The man had been given one clear objective. Get back to the others as fast as possible. Don't stop for anything. Paulius dropped two more bad guys before Engine 98 turned north on Mies van der Rohe Way. He faced forward. The cab's roof topped out at his sternum, giving him excellent protection from the front while still providing a full range of fire. He heard Bosch's voice in his headset. Commander, you might want to hold tight. It's about to get violent. 
Up ahead, Polyus saw a line of cars set up bumper to bumper, blocking the street. He ducked down, wedged himself between the back of the cabin and the water cannon's metal post. On the inside wall of the passenger side toolbox that ran the length of the bed, he saw a red fire axe held firmly in a bracket. If he ran out of ammo, it might come down to using that. Bosch floored the gas. Engine 98 responded, picking up speed. The wide, flat, front metal bumper hit first, bashing a BMW to the left and a Ford truck to the right. Holy shit! Bosch said. You see that fucker fly? Polyus rose, looked for targets. There was no shortage, as converted popped up on either side of the road, in building windows, just about everywhere he looked. Aim. Fire. Aim. Fire. The fire engine clipped the front of a UPS truck, spinning the delivery vehicle in a full 360. Aim. Fire. Aim. Fire. The engine whined as Bosch shifted gears. He tried to weave through the obstacles as well as he could, but there were just too many cars. Engine 98 smashed into an old Buick, tearing the rear end clean off. Aim. Fire. It was working. They were just a few blocks away from the clothing store. Polyus thumbed his talk button, hoping the short-range comms would work this far out. Klemaster Roth! Klemaster Roth, over! Roth's voice came back almost immediately. I read you, Commander. Pack him up, Roth! Extraction in three minutes! Chapter 2 Big and Dangerous Steve Stanton's fingers squeezed tighter on the cell phone. A fire truck? McMaster's, what the fuck are you talking about? Spotters reported it just now, McMaster's said. He was at a garage closer to downtown, preparing another group to flee the city. His voice sounded like he was about to hyperventilate. The spotters said a guy in a Cubs hat was driving, but I think it's a soldier who survived the attack. Robert McMaster's was normally a smart man. He'd kept the city's power running, kept the water pumps working, made sure that Chicago didn't flood. He'd kept the city functioning mostly as it had before the awakening. But while he could handle problems that involved inanimate objects and mechanical systems, he clearly didn't do so well when the situation involved men with guns. Emperor, did you hear me? A fire truck. They're trying to get away. Be quiet, Steve said. I'm thinking. He set the phone against his shoulder. He glanced around the municipal garage where Brownstone, God rest her soul, had gathered sixty vehicles. Dr. General Jeremy Ellis stood there, looking afraid for his life as he always did. Jeremy was organizing thirty-one cars, eighteen trucks, three city buses, four motorcycles, and even three snowplows for the exodus. The snowplows' big, heavy scoops would let them rip right through the endless abandoned cars allowing Steve's people to spread south, east, and west. A fire truck was also big, also heavy, heavy enough to smash through the thinner roadblocks. But if it was just a couple of soldiers, and they were clever enough to have lived this long, why wouldn't they just walk out instead of letting a city know where they were? Because a fire engine was also big enough to carry passengers, and because Cooper Mitchell's body still hadn't been found. Steve put the phone back to his ear. Where is this fire engine? Heading west on Walton, McMaster said. Steve looked at Ellis. Get me Jeff Brockman and three more bulls. And guns. Get me some guns. Jeremy nodded 
and ran off to comply. McMasters, Steve said into the phone, I want that truck stopped. Send everyone. I want it destroyed. Chapter 3 The Motivational Speech Tim Feely had never fired a weapon in his life. Now his life might very well depend on the M4 rifle he held in his hands. At least it was more efficient than a chunk of concrete. He stood at the top of the wide stairs, watching Roth carry Ramirez down to the ground floor. Ramirez cradled a sleek black shotgun, his weak fingers barely gripping the stock and the pump handle. Move him easy, Tim called. Be as gentle as you can. Just hurry up, Roth said over his shoulder. If you're still there when Evac arrives, Doc, no one is coming up to get you. Roth descended, but did so as gently as he could. Cooper Mitchell limped over, Ramirez's six-hour pistol in his hand. Your boy Clarence ain't coming, Cooper said. He's moping about that infected woman of his. Cooper jerked suddenly, as if something had flown in front of his face, but there was nothing there. He shook his head. I don't want him to get eaten, but if he does, I do hope he's die, die, delicious. Cooper slowly hobbled down the stairs, leaning heavily on the rail. Tim watched him go. That was one crazy motherfucker right there. Hopefully he was sane enough to only shoot at the bad guys. Tim jogged to Clarence. It was worth one more try. The man sat on his butt in the same spot where Margaret had been before they tied her to that ladder. His back rested against the wall, chin hung to his chest. His pistol was in its thigh holster. In his hands, he held the big knife he'd used to slice his wife's throat. Did he want to die here? He acted like this was all his fault, when not a shred of it was. Otto, get your ass up! Come on, man! Rescue is on the way! The big man didn't move. He hadn't even cleaned the dust off his face. It made his skin almost the same color as his tight gray shirt. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Clarence had to come. Tim needed him there, needed his strength. Tim's plan had sounded great in theory, but now it was turning into reality, which meant he'd have to go outside. He'd have to face those killers. He had to find a way to get through to Clarence. Maybe a slap in the face? That always worked on TV. Tim reached back and brought his hand forward as hard as he could. Clarence reached up and caught Tim's wrist, stopping the palm an inch from his cheek. Strong fingers squeezed down. Tim hissed in pain. Ow! Okay, maybe that wasn't such a great idea. Otto's cold eyes bore into him. You made me kill her, he said. His voice was little more than a growl a hollow husk that befit the hollow man. You got what you wanted, Feely, so get the fuck out of here and leave me be. Clarence let go. Tim stood, 
rubbed at his wrist. She's gone, Clarence. If you want to end it all, do that after we're finished. Because your gun might make the difference. If we don't get Cooper out alive, then Margaret died for nothing. Otto just stared, his face inscrutable. He made no motion to get up. Tim remembered Margaret and Otto talking back on the Carl Brashear. Remembered that word Margaret had used as a weapon. She wouldn't have quit. She was a real soldier. Otto looked away, unable to meet Tim's gaze. That one had cut deep, but he still didn't get up. He reached into his pocket, pulled out a bulky cell phone, and tossed it to Tim. Tim caught it. What am I supposed to do with this? I called Murray a half hour ago. Air support is on the way. If you have to abort the pickup location, hit redial. Let him know where you're going. His shoulders slumped. His chin once again drooped to his chest. Clarence wasn't coming. Tim had done all he could. He turned to head down the stairs, then paused and looked at the phone in his hand. Just hit redial. Chapter 4 Make Every Bullet Count A woman rushed toward Engine 98, a lit Molotov cocktail in her hand. Paulius dropped her with his M4's final round. He drew his P226. Fifteen rounds in this magazine, fifteen more in a second mag. After that, he'd have nothing left except harsh language. Aim. Fire. Aim. Fire. He wanted to use the water cannon, splash these fuckers down with a face full of Margaret water. But Felia told him to save it. It was critical to wait until the converted were packed in as tight as possible. Engine 98 was beginning to vibrate, just a little bit, a rhythmic pattern that increased or decreased in time with the vehicle's speed. Something wrong with a tire, maybe. The thing had smashed past dozens of vehicles so far. The fire truck had mass, and that meant physics was on its side. But every hit took a toll. Aim, fire. Aim, fire. Converted gave chase. Three men, a woman, a boy, two girls, three hatchlings, and coming in fast, one of the muscle-bound monsters. More hostiles were pouring out of buildings, either rushing toward the truck or stopping to fire. A few bullets punched into the truck's metal sides, but most of the rounds whizzed by. A trained army would have taken the truck apart. Fortunately, these assholes were anything but trained. More converted fired down from above, aiming from skyscraper windows. Their aim was just as bad. Bullets smacked into the tops of the equipment boxes or punched into the coiled fire hose. Polyus hadn't been hit, but sooner or later, one of them was bound to get lucky. Aim, fire. Aim, fire. He stood and looked forward over the cab's roof. Up ahead, a bus lay on its side, blocking most of Walton Street. Too much vehicle to drive through. Bosch angled the engine to the left. He had to slow down to go around the bus, and when he did, the converted closed in. One of the men tried to climb up the rear. Bosch ran something over. When the rear wheels hit whatever it was, the back end bounced, flipping the man back out into the street, where he hit face first and skidded. Two of the hatchlings leaped, scrambling up the truck's right side. Shoot them, or save the rounds. Polyus jammed his pistol into its holster, then yanked the fire axe from its bracket. 
The first hatchling scurried over the stacked hoses. Polyus swung the axe like a baseball bat. The red blade sliced through the pyramid-shaped body, sending the top part flying over the truck's side. The thing collapsed, spilling purple goo across the hose. The other hatchling leaped. Polyus didn't have time for a second swing. He brought the axe in front of him, rear point facing out. The hatchling couldn't change direction in midair. It impaled itself on the spike. He shook the twitching thing from the axe, heard a gunshot from inside the cabin. Bosch shooting at someone who'd closed in and tried to yank open the driver's door. Polyus felt something heavy land on the truck, dropping the bed down a few inches before the shocks lifted it back up. There on the rear bumper, only his big head and gnarled hands visible, stood a yellow monster. Its hands reached into the bed, the long bone knives jutting from the back of its arms. Muscles flexed as it started to crawl forward. Polyus dropped the axe and once again drew his P-226. The creature looked up at him. Thick lips curled back from two long, two wide teeth. Yellow lids narrowed. Even over the truck's engine, Polyus heard a deep growl. He squeezed the trigger. The nine-millimeter round hit dead center in the creature's forehead. A cloud of blood and brains puffed out the back of its skull. The muscle monster fell back, crashed onto the pavement and tumbled forward. Polyus realized the converted had stopped firing while the monster tried to get in, because as soon as it fell away, bullets started hitting all around him, punching into the equipment boxes, kicking up flakes of red paint. He dropped and crawled across the hoses toward the cabin, desperate for whatever cover he could find. Bosch's voice in his ear. Hold on, Commander. Turning right on rush, and there's a lot more cars here. Polyus pressed his back against the cabin wall and held on tight as the 21-ton vehicle smashed past yet another obstacle. Chapter 5 The Calm Before the Storm Cooper Mitchell wasn't sure if he should hope. If he believed he might escape, would that jinx it? What if he wound up with a signpost rammed through his ass and out his mouth? He hid behind a rack of pantsuits on the first floor of Barney's not even fifteen feet from the front door. The seals had to get him out. They just had to. All this couldn't be for nothing. The weird thing about a city with no traffic was the sense of stillness, the quiet. If he closed his eyes, he could have been in the woods of Michigan, save for the occasional roar of a bloodthirsty monster. That lack of sound let things carry through the streets. He heard distant gunshots, powerful crashes of metal hitting metal, and the growing closer sound of a gurgling diesel engine. Was that Klimas? Had he really pulled it off? Tim came down the stairs, cell phone pressed to his ear. No, this isn't Otto, he said. It's Tim Feely. The little doctor came up next to Cooper. He leaned around the pantsuits to peek out the store's glass door. He leaned back suddenly, his face wrinkled in annoyance. I don't give a shit about your problems, Murray. This plan is ridiculous. Send someone to get us. A pause. No, Klimas isn't here. Tim looked around, saw Roth crouching just to the left of the front door, Ramirez lying on the floor beside him. Hold on, Murray. Tim duck-walked to Roth. The big man looked ridiculous in his letterman's jacket. Cooper hated the bears. Roth took the phone. This is Petty Officer First Class Calvin Roth. He listened for a second. No, sir, Director Longworth. Commander Klimas isn't available. 
Yes, we still need extraction at Lincoln Park, the south end. Roth looked out the window. Cooper followed his gaze, saw a dozen men and women rushing away down the street toward the sound of that diesel engine. Roth ducked back behind full cover. Yes, sir, we still need that air support. We're going to be under enemy fire the entire way, sir. He paused, then nodded again. Yes, sir. He hung up, handed the phone to Tim. Well, Tim said, taking the phone and pocketing it. Is Murray sending the entire Air Force? I don't want to go out there. I can't. Roth shrugged. What Air Force? Washington is under attack. So is everything else. An AC-130 and an Apache are both en route. Those will have to be enough. Feely shook his head. The man was about to freak out. Cooper didn't know what they'd do if Feely didn't get his shit together. Two lousy planes, Tim said. No fucking way, Roth. Call him back. Tell him we need... Roth's hand shot out and grabbed Feely's shoulder. The sudden move silenced him. Doc, Roth said, I need you to shut up now. Roth turned slightly, made eye contact with Cooper. When he spoke, Cooper knew it was to him and Feely both. It's game time. Stop worrying about shit you can't change. If you want to survive, focus on the job at hand. When the fire truck comes, we go out firing. We'll have a few seconds of surprise. The truck has to stop so we can get Ramirez inside. Cooper, how many rounds do you have? Cooper lifted the Sig Sauer pistol in his hand. Fifteen. Good man. Make them count. Doc, you remember what Ram told you? Feely nodded. Single shots, keep the stock tight to my shoulder, move the barrel where I move my eyes, aim, then fire. Roth nodded. Excellent. And how many rounds do you have? Ten. But I can't... I'm no good in a fight. Ramirez showed me how to shoot, but I can't. Roth shook his head. Too late for that bullshit, Doc. Commander Klimas told me what you did to save Cooper. You're a born warrior. That's what I need you to be for the next ten minutes. Got it? A wide-eyed feely nodded. Say it. Say, I'm a warrior. I'm... Tim licked dry lips. I'm a warrior. Good. Just keep saying that, Doc. Cooper saw Feely mouthing the words over and over. The diesel's roar kicked up in volume, bounced off building walls. The thing had just turned a corner. Cooper saw it, saw the sun glinting off moving chrome, off red and white paint. Roth nodded. Here we go. Cooper felt his heart hammering, not just in his chest, but in his head, his eyes, his entire body. The diesel's roar grew louder. Just seconds now. You have been listening to Pandemic, book three of the Infected Trilogy by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. Performed by Phil Giganti. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.